0: Welcome to the podcast of the Renew community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. Really glad that we have a chance to be together this beautiful day. One of the rhythms uh, that we that we practice here at Renew is from time to time, usually twice a year, once in January or once in September, we take a step back and we we intentionally remind ourselves why we exist and what God is calling us to. We call it Vision Sunday uh, because we need to have these reminders within our life. Um, This is why we celebrate things like anniversaries. Uh, It's good to be reminded these beautiful things in which we have. And so it's important for us to sense, to, to reflect, and also to think about where God is calling us into this year to come. Um, this is not a religious pep rally where we're going to get all pumped up. This is not a Tony Robbins-esque inspirational talk. Uh, this, is not a clarify- this is a clarifying time for us to see what it looks like to be present to God and for us to understand what it is to join together as a community who is passionately seeking Jesus' face and what it means to be on mission with him in the communities in which we represent here. Um, We do this as a community because we really feel like it's important to be reminded. Um, We see all throughout the scriptures this beautiful word, remember, 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 remember. Because we have to be reminded of who God is and our place in his story. And so as we take a minute just to look back, there's been some really amazing things that have happened in the last few months, in the last few years, uh, since Renew's been born, really. Um, but I love how our community is continuing to be a people that wants to be in love with Jesus. That seems to be one of the things that we continue to hear constantly. A few years ago, we said, hey, our vision for this year is we just want to be in love with Jesus. There's nothing else. We don't really know any other place to go, but can we be in love with Christ? And Renew, I've really been proud of the way that we've been noticing that. We've been doing that. We've been practicing that together. Uh, We also sensed the idea that God was calling us to really begin to pray and actively pursue a nursery ministry. And so some of you have taken that very literally, and we have a lot more little babies in that room, but we also meant it spiritually as well. And so our longing and hunger is that people would come to know Jesus, Uh, that that our witness in this community would make a difference for eternity. And so we talked about what it is to continue to pray and pursue the nursery ministry. And the other thing, as we look back, Renew has been a place where we take discipleship in the way of Jesus really seriously. Um, We have gathered around the idea of we're not just here to do spiritual things. We're here to intentionally learn what it is to follow the person of Christ. And we don't want to do anything outside of that. And so we sense that God is up to some really specific things right now within our community that has been pretty exciting. Um, in this, this past fall, we've asked that we've been really pursuing that the spirit would fall and renew. And God has met us in that. It has been amazing to watch and to hear the stories of people's lives and thinking and all these different ways being transformed by the person of Christ. And so our focused prayer for September on has been, Lord, help us to wake up to the reality. Help, like, Lord, Holy Spirit, fall on us. And it, I've loved to hear the way that our church has continued to, to, to be present to that prayer. Um, we pray that the Lord would continue to grow our nursery because we long to be a people who aren't focused on ourselves. But when, when we meet Jesus and he heals us and sets us free, we have nowhere else to go but out. Because God does something amazing in our lives. And we just have this beautiful, as as Paul writes, we're these like cracked pots with this beautiful stuff just pouring out of us. And that's Jesus and the way that he heals and transforms our life. And we've also noticed there just seems to be this deep hunger, that I'm hearing as as people are just talking about how their prayer life has been changing, how the way that they've been worshiping Jesus has been like elevated, how their time with scripture has become so much more uh, important for them. And there's this hunger and longing to see Renew be a place where we just continue to invite Jesus in, the spirit in, the father in, in all the ways in which he has for us. And so there's this great tension of both cont- being content in the fact that we are beloved children of God, but longing for something more, longing for greater things. And so as, as we get together every year to do this, we spend time reminding ourselves of all these things. And what I'm grateful for today is that I don't do this alone, but I do this with Ben. So I'm going to hand the mic over Well, you have a mic. I'm going to turn it over to Ben. <clears throat>
1: Renew gathers in this in this rhythm where we meet in house churches, and then we gather here collectively. And this is an important part of our DNA um, because of who we believe God is forming us to be. We take formation and mission really seriously. Uh, And so it was really refreshing last week to hear all of these people saying, man, we missed house church when we took a break from that rhythm for Advent. Not that Advent gatherings were bad, but there was just this excitement to get back into house churches because they're so important for us uh, because this is where we are discipled in circles, where we share life together, where uh, Jesus meets us in the midst of our relationships, where we are known and we know one another. And so we're able to speak into each other's lives, to hold one another up and to point each other to Jesus in the, in the intimacy of the home. And we're so grateful for the ways in which our shepherds lead us. Can we just say thank you to our shepherds? Doug and I are so grateful for our shepherds and the way they lead and the way that they, um, the way they minister to you all. Um, and yeah, we, we couldn't exist as a church without, without you all, but especially without our shepherds. Uh, and we form our, our, our house church liturgy, much like we shape our gatherings. They mirror our gatherings, but on an intimate level, where we worship, where we spend time in prayer, where we are shaped by scriptures and hearing one another's stories, where we share communion with one another because we see these as important disciplines that grow our passion for Jesus and shape us to be sent out to share that goodness
0: with others.
1: And our gatherings are such an important place where we get to hear from a lot of different voices. One of the things that God has just been uh, Stirring in me through those Advent gatherings was the many different voices that had an opportunity to share. I can't get the picture of Michael Smith running down the aisle and swooping Juniper up into his arms. What a picture of God's passionate love for his children. And I, Kelsey's echoing, Kelsey's words echoing in my head where the Spirit met her in the midst of silent prayer saying, You belong in this community. Because God speaks to us through one another as we gather in this space. And even our kids shape how we worship Jesus, how we understand who Jesus is. And as we pour into them to disciple them, they speak back to us and encourage us into that faith. So we gather together every other week to meet in this place, to be shaped in prayer, to enter into God's presence seeking Jesus in worship together and expecting him to show up and meet us in this place. And we're so grateful for the ways in which he has and the ways in which he will continue to meet us both in house churches and in gatherings.
0: And so we've really been noticing places where where we have been doing this really well where God has been super faithful and we've just been seeing some amazing growth. And as we've said um there was a there was a couple turning points. There's been some really significant turning points in the life of our church uh in the last 2 years. And one of them happened with a uh with a cartwheel right about here. <laughs> but there were, all of a sudden was this and and it was in the midst of Advent and we had a We had a day where we talked about joy and we had a dance party afterwards. And Lindsay Smith had this beautiful idea of confetti cannons and it was wild, but something was unlocked in our community in that day. And that was a significant event in the life of our church that we won't be, uh, this is a term I've heard people say, I still don't understand, but like frozen chosen people, but we actually embody this joyful message of God. It lives deep within our souls and it just like pours out all over the place. That was a hinge point for our church. Another one was in October uh, when, when, when we, asked for a, we called people to come and be prayed for. And uh, it was the most beautiful thing that I've ever watched, the way the church responded to just a longing and a hunger for the spirit to just move in their lives and to think about all of the ways in which our elders had an opportunity to pray for pretty much everyone within our church and the words that were spoken. It's like God unlocked something new in us in that season. And here's, here's something I would just want to remind us with those two things. We don't ever want to look back but we want to continue to press forward in those things that we'd be a community that's marked by joy, by deep joy. And that doesn't mean that we just like brush over bad things or hard things. It means that we actually trust that God is good. Even when things are bad, that we look to Jesus, no matter what else is happening, that we recognize that it's really easy to see the storms around us and all the stuff that we read and everything else as these, these, these annoying distractions. But if we can keep our eyes fixed on the Lord, he's going to lead us into the place where he's called us to. And so as we think about the ways in which we're doing this well, we think about the hinge, the hinge moments. We think about the way that our, our, our house church gathering last week responded with a very loud, yay, we're back in house church rhythm. We're really excited about what God is doing as we enter into a brand new year. And this is what brings us to 2020. Um, Ben, the elders and myself, we are convinced that God is calling us into an intentional season of hunger, but we're also convinced that this is going to be a season that will stretch us and renew. I, um, Ben is Ben and I, it's been really neat how the Lord has brought this vision about. I was prepping for the last Sunday in Advent and the Lord gave me this phrase and I shared it with Ben and Ben got this really big smirk on his face. And then he came and shared what he shared with me, what God was doing in his his heart, in the same vein, in the same way. And so I'm excited that we get to share this vision together today.
1: Yeah. At the beginning of Advent, um, I I received an email with a, a poem in it from Mickey Scott Bay Jones. And in it, she writes this together. We will create brave space because there is, no such thing as safe space. We exist in the real world. We all carry scars, and we, all, we have all caused wounds. But in this space, we seek to turn down the volume of the outside world. We amplify voices that fight to be heard elsewhere. We call each other to more truth and love. We have the right to start somewhere and continue to grow. We have the responsibility to examine what we think we know. We will not be perfect. This space will not be perfect. It will not always be what we wish it to be, but it will be our brave space together. And we will work on it side by side. And just something hit me when I read that, and, and that idea of being invited into brave space. I couldn't get it out of my head throughout Advent. Um, and I felt like God was calling me personally into some areas of stepping out of safe space into brave space. But I also got the sense that this is what God was doing in Renew. Because I think Renew, we've done a really good job of being a safe space, of creating safe space for people, a community for the hurting, safe space for doubt, safe space for skepticism, for questioning. Safe space for those who, live, who, who have a lived experience of mental illness. Safe space for grieving. Safe space to talk about difficult topics. People in Renew are really good at coming alongside one another. That's a beautiful thing. And I don't want to take anything away from the importance of the ways in which Renew has been a safe space. And I feel like the the shift from safe space to brave space, that move into brave space is, brave space is safe space. But it calls us into something more. And that's something we've, we've been hearing a lot this morning through the songs, through our prayers, that yes, God is good. And this is good right here, but God's calling us out. Uh, one of the, one of the, most frequent commands throughout scriptures: do not be afraid. And it strikes me that that's, that's not a phrase that's usually spoken in a space where you're like, don't be afraid, you're safe. It's usually spoken in a space, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Yes, this is going to be a little scary, but do not yield to your fear because I'm with you. And for the last several years, I keep hearing from the Lord over and over again: the opposite of fear is not bravery or courage; the opposite of fear is trust—a trust in the goodness and love of God that leads us into bravery, that leads us into courage. And I've just been thinking about a few different stories. Um, from one of maybe one of the most popular scriptures in all the Bible is Psalm 23. It's a beautiful, beautiful psalm, and a lot of it feels like safe space. He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me to rest. His rod and his staff protect and comfort me. But you'll notice in the midst of that psalm, there's also this phrase, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You prepare a place for me in the presence of my enemies. Friends, this isn't a psalm of safe space. This is a psalm of brave space. Because the Lord is with us, and we trust in his goodness and love. And I think of another story. of uh, It's found in Numbers 13 and 14, when the Israelites have been brought out of Egypt, out of slavery, and God has promised them a land of abundance. And he tells them to send 12 spies into the land to check it out, see what it's like. And 10 of those spies come back with the report of, yeah, this land is full of great fruit. It's land flowing with milk and honey. It's awesome. But it's also full of these warrior people who are going to destroy us. It would be better if And yet there were two spies there. No, we can't just stay in this safe space. We can't go back to where we were. God has promised something better to us. Let's be brave and trust that God is good and God is for us. And there's this prayer book called God's Face, and, and the, the guy who compiled it um, wrote a little prayer reflecting on that passage. And this prayer has kind of rocked me um, and continues to challenge uh, me and push me. It says, God on the move, teach me how a reckless disobedience originates in a mere lack of trust. Forgive my unbelief that I prefer to call prudence. My fear that's often masked as good sense. God, you call your church on a world-transforming mission. Give me the eyes of faith to trust you and follow in fearless obedience. Friends, God is calling us on a world-transforming mission. And it may feel a little unsafe, but God is with us. His love and his goodness chases us pursues us, and we will live in the house of the Lord forever. We will live in the brave space of the Lord forever. In November, God, in, in, uh, back in the fall, Doug made a prophetic statement in that powerful gathering where folks came up for prayer for the Holy Spirit. He said, as we've been asking the Holy Spirit to be poured out on us and to lead us, to empower us, to manifest God's presence and power among us, Doug said, this isn't who we've been, but this is who we're going to be. This is an invitation to brave space. And, and we're going to continue to pray for God to pour out the Holy Spirit. But I've gotten the sense in the last couple of days that part of this brave space is recognizing what we already have. Uh, I was with someone earlier this week, and we were engaging in a prayer exercise, putting ourselves in the presence of Jesus and asking him things. And one of the things I encourage the person to ask is, Jesus, would you give me the Holy Spirit? And Jesus teaches us to ask for that. And after we, But after we finished praying, uh, we were reflecting on it and talking about you know, what, what we saw, what Jesus said to us. And, and the person said, well, you told me to ask Jesus for the Holy Spirit, so I asked Jesus to give me the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I can't give you something you already have. Friends, we have the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue to pray that it will pour out to us, but we have the Holy Spirit. And this invitation to Brave Space is recognizing, yes, I'm moving forward because the Holy Spirit is with me. Uh, And Doug, so I shared this poem with Doug after he came up to me this Sunday in December and said, God has been giving me these two words. And the two words that he shared with me, I was like, this is Brave Space. I'm going to invite
0: Doug back. (laughs) And so those two words as I was preparing for my sermon were the words empathetic and prophetic. And it was one of the first times in my life I've ever been jolted by words. Like I'm not a wordsmith. I like words, but these two words just cut through and I'm like working on all this stuff about love and blah, blah, you know, that's good stuff. But for the Christmas, the end of the Advent sermon. And these words just pop as I'm writing. And I was like, well, these have nothing to do with this. What are they there for? And as I it just like completely sidetracked my mind, I mean, just completely. And so I started to think about it and it was one of those things that, so we, we know what empathy is, right? Empathetic is this, like, and this is one of the things I want to make sure that we, we get. Renew has been so good at being a church that's empathetic. Um, Being with people, spending time. uh, Someone has once accused us or praised us. I'm not sure which one it is, but Renew is at its best when someone's at their worst. And I appreciate that. I think that's actually a badge of honor. That's an important thing. Um, And uh, I think recently some language that I've heard some people sharing is like empathy is like being willing to sit in puddles with people. And and I, I love that image of when someone's having a rough time, like I'll come and sit in that puddle But I had this moment where what I realized and what this word prophetic really meant is, yeah, like I'll come and sit in the puddle. But if I sit there too long, we're both going to get trench foot and be really wrinkly. And there's something about staying there that is actually not healthy. And this is where this, this word prophetic comes in. And so I know a lot of us, when we hear the word prophetic, we think of, um, Old Testament, really big beard, angry people, um, running around, like blowing up things and sending lightning bolts here and watching. I mean, it like prophets are bad men. I mean, they are bad men, like awesome people, um, Amazing, But really, it's almost like I think the problem is we miss it because all we hear is judgment and we miss the fact that it's, it's like God's heart is being revealed. And what I've learned about God through the, for the Old Testament prophets is like God is so passionate about his people that he's willing to send these, these people, these prophets to come and help call the community back to their first love, back to God. And so when we come to the the understanding of a prophet, what I really appreciate is if we look at the story of John the Baptist and and how many, you know, heard of John the Baptist, he's a really interesting guy. He wears weird clothes and eats locusts and wild honey, which I'm sure actually that's probably a diet today that you could probably find out. It's probably keto or gluten free or non-GMO. But what I appreciate about John the Baptist is who do they say John the Baptist was? He was who? Do you remember? He was Elijah. Right, he was Elijah reborn, like the, the the one who left. He's come back down, and so what happens? And let me just read this this real. It's it's in the right in the beginning of, of Mark, and it just says, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people drew someone out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And so here's the deal. I think a lot of us, when we think about the story, we have to unpack the baggage of like, oh man, he's, he's, he's calling out sin. But like, we miss this. We miss this. And all of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. You see, the prophet, the New Testament prophet, Jesus was a prophet and we're called we are called to be also prophets in the world in which we live, but the new Testament prophets, the prophet Elijah reborn with Jesus as his King in the full fledged understanding of the spirit. He is preaching reconciliation back to the heart of God. He is preaching like, Hey friends, friends, Let's come and let's set a brand new path. Let's make our lives right before God. And what I love about this story is like, if, if, if someone were to say that, hey, there's a pastor in Lansdale calling people over to Stony Creek Pond, which would be super gross, but and we're, gonna be, we're going to be, you need to repent because you're sinners. People, I'd be on the news and you all would probably not be here that very next week. But what I appreciated about, about what we see in this is that the, the heart of the prophet is a person who, who gets the heart of God for others. And so let me define it this way. A pr- prophetic calling or a pr- prophet is calling people back to the heart of God. It's believing that God has more in store for the people that we come in contact with than we can even imagine. And it's this constant listening to the spirit of love. Let me say it again in a different way. A prophetic calling is calling people back to the heart of the father, It's healing wounds. It's not settling for complacency, but it's pushing ahead, believing that there is more and more and more in store for whoever we're with as followers of Jesus. Let Ben say it a different way.
1: Yeah, as Doug shared that with me, just a whole bunch of different things. One is like this empathetic and prophetic vision draws us to connect the hearts of people with the hearts of God. The prophets were people who had deep empathy, but not just empathy with people, but empathy with God. They understood the heart of God and said, this is what God desires of us. This is what God has in store for us. They felt the heart of God. They knew the heart of God. They they felt God's heartbreak over injustice, over sin, over idolatry, because they knew God longed for better for them. They felt God's longing for something better for those created in God's image. And they held out that vision. They held out that vision of God's promises to God's people. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was simultaneously slapped in the face and kicked in the butt. Um, I was reading reading a book uh, by Dr. Laura Markham that some of us are reading together in the Adoptive Foster Parent Support Group. Uh, And in it, she writes, Your child depends on you to hold the vision of her at her best. And it slapped me in the face because I hadn't been holding a very good vision of my kids that week. Um, And it kicked me in the butt to say, God's calling you to more for your sons, for the sake of your sons. They are your sons, but I've created them in my image, and they're my kids, and you need to point them to me. Uh, So God just stirred in me. So I've I've been praying the last couple of weeks, God, give me your vision for my kids and help me to show it to them, and help me proclaim it over them. Um, but as I've been doing that, it's, it's changing my heart. Um, but as I've been doing that, I also realized that this is my prayer for renew. Hmm. That, that this is the invitation for us into the prophetic. God, give us your vision of us at your best. What do you want? Give us that vision and help us hold it You know, God gave Joseph this this dream, this vision of greatness. And he went through some really, really hard stuff, like being sold into slavery by his brothers, uh, by being wrongly imprisoned. And yet he held on to this vision that God gave him of greatness. This vision of him at his best as he followed and was obedient to God. So I believe this invitation in the prophetic is for us to hold God's vision of people at their best. Of Renew at our best. So God, what is your vision for me at my best? God, what is your vision for my neighbor at her best? God, what is your vision for Renew at our best? God, what is your vision for Lansdale, for Souderton, for Telford, for Schwanksville, for North Wales, at their best? Can we be people who hold it for others when they're feeling hopeless? Can we be people who proclaim it boldly and humbly with clarity, with the heart of God, holding that out for people? These are the, this, is, this is what Paul does in the letters that he writes to the churches. He's continually holding out God's vision. Look at all that Jesus has done for you, people. And because of what Jesus has done, this is who God is calling you to become. Paul continued to hold that vision, for people. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, he writes, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord. So That vision of us at our best is Christ-likeness, looking more and more like Jesus, And as we enter into the prophetic, God gives us more specific ideas and visions about what that looks like for individuals and for us as a body. Ephesians 3.19, he writes, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God.
0: So you've heard it three different ways. And to get super practical, this is what it means to be prophetic. And I think we're just starting to scratch the surface. And friends, calling to the vision this year is not like here. This is We're we're just trusting that the Spirit is calling us into this, and we're not even really sure if we have the map, but we know we're supposed to go this way. But what it means to be prophetic is that prophetic people adore, know, and spend time with Jesus. Prophetic people are about reconciliation. Prophetic people see healing uh, as both episodic and a journey, but they believe that healing is a real thing. Prophetic people speak true identity to people, and this might get us in trouble. Prophetic people rely on the Holy Spirit. Prophetic people are brave people. Prophetic people live out the truth, live out of the knowledge and the experience that the truth that God is good because prophetic people have been transformed by the goodness of God. And his goodness gets into the nooks and the crannies in our every single day, ordinary life. And so I think what it is for Renew is my my sense is it's going to feel something like this. Do you remember being a kid and having a snow day? The day before you would look out at those trees and like, man, they're just so ugly. It's the middle of winter, or maybe more, it's like a spring day in the middle of winter. But You wake up that next morning and it's the same stinking landscape. It's everything is the same, but all of a sudden when it's covered by snow, it just radically blows our minds. And what, I mean, are any inner children in here? What do you do when that happens? Well, I know what Greg does. He runs straight out into it and he probably takes all his kids and most of them are probably barefoot in the snow for the first couple laps. I love it. Erin uh, Class, um, she wanted, she's Canadian. And one of my favorite stories from Erin is she said, whenever the first snow happened, doesn't matter if it was a little or a lot, their family would run around the yard barefoot. And um, I, I think that's great because they, they get it because everything is different. Everything is different. It's the same landscape, but everything all of a sudden feels different. I think that's what happens when we wake up and we recognize that God calls us into this ministry of reconciliation along with him. Like he calls you sons and daughters of God. He says, hey, you can keep asking for the spirit. I've given it to you. So freaking live into it. Like step into this brand new life that you hear, this brand new life that you continue to read about, but now it's time to like step into it. It's time to not just sit on the couch inside and watch. It's not my time to take the faith of somebody else and just try to live that out, but he's inviting me to live this thing with him. And again, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not the shadow of like rainbows and unicorns, but the shadow of death. We're in a rough valley, but he is with us. He is with us and he makes us brave. So I think the story that most, that best gets Jesus being empathetic and prophetic is this. It's, it's one of my favorite stories, maybe because I just feel like I've lived this story in many different ways. But Jesus is he's teaching to a crowd, and and these religious people bring in this person who was caught in sin and she was an adulteress, and who knows what that means. And who I can't even imagine the amount of shame that this woman is feeling in this moment. But she's brought before this crowd and before Jesus. And they're like, This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law says you should stone her. What do you say? And Jesus, in his brilliance, says, you know, he sits there and he draws on the ground, and then he stands up and he says, You know, all right, well, whoever sinned. Wherever it hasn't sinned, you throw the first stone. Like I love the way this story reads because, like, I can almost hear like that sound—the thudding sound of like rocks falling on the ground—as people are just slowly walking away. But what's beautiful about this is Jesus does this amazing thing. He looks at her, and and I'm I'm convinced that he literally like holds her head like in his hands, and he looks her in the eyes and says, "Who's here to condemn you?" And neither do I. Like my friends, that is empathy at its finest. Like when you're caught in the worst day of your life and things have just gone to crap quickly, and the and the king of heaven grabs your your little face and holds it in his hand and says, I don't condemn you either. Like that's empathy. But then comes the, the prophetic nature of Jesus. And this is huge. Jesus then says, Hey. Go and sin no more. Now, we get caught up on that sin verse, right? We're like, oh, you know, see, he had to turn it religious all of a sudden. Jeez, what's his deal? But I think what we miss on this is he doesn't say go and sin no more. He says, hey, you've been around those lovers long enough. You know exactly where it's going to lead you. Now, step into new life. It's an invitation. He invites her to live into brand new life where she is free of whatever things that she has had in her past, and it's an invitation to step into something brand new. And so I think for us as a community, that's the story that binds those things together. Yes, empathy is important, but you know what? Jesus just doesn't say like, hey, I don't condemn you either. That really sucks, and then walks away. I don't condemn you either. Now go, begin to live a new life. Now, friends, we live in that tension of new life, right? Where we're there, but we're not yet. And although we're struggling and we're making these great progresses, there's days when we feel like we're back to square one. But the truth is that's a lie from the enemy. We keep pressing forward. We keep confessing, we keep moving forward. And I think that's what it is to be a prophetic people. It's that we are always, always, always on our knees, continually asking Jesus to remind us who we are and what it means to live into this new Calling as a people, and so how, how does this impact the nursery ministry? Here's the way I see this impacting the nursery ministry. I had this like um, this picture in my head as I was praying into this a few weeks ago, and it was a beautiful, scary picture. And it was a picture of this room filled with people, and nobody had faces. And all of a sudden, as people began to come up, people like there were these other people with faces, and they begin to speak. And as they would speak, it's like what this stuff was coming out of their mouth and it was forming noses and eyes and ears and like faces were being spoken into existence. And like, I started to think about what would that look like if people came to church to figure out who they were? Like, what would it look like if, and again, because here's the deal. Um, One of the things that Ben and I and others have really been wrestling with and it's been kind of like a slap and a kick at the same time, Um, is, you know, a lot of times we struggle like, well, how do we know our kids are going to be okay? You know, like we hope our kids figure out who they are. Well, the truth is, is as parents, like we tell them who they're going to be. And like, it's the same thing with our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers. And those of us who are in this room, like we need to be telling you who God has called you to be. And we submit that humbly. And we do that in a way that is loving and caring, but also filled with truth. So in the years past, and I think this is the invitation for us, in the years past, you've heard us say, and you've heard this statement if you've been to Renew a few times, that structure must submit to the Spirit, or structure submits to the Spirit. But I'm convinced that in this season, that we as individuals and as a community must submit our lives to the Holy Spirit. And I think that that's what God is calling to me. And so the year, and and here we are, this is where we're going this year that we would submit our lives to the spirit, that we would say, have your way, help us to become brave people, help us to become people who are prophetic, that we would see our lives as as something that matters, is that we have authority in the world in which we live, because God has already called us rulers and reigners with him. And we're just in the practice stage. And so we sense that the Lord is calling renewed to be a prophetic people people that grow our bandwidth through Jesus, through prayer, through worship, deeply rooted in scripture, through time with Christ and with others, that we are a people who live out of a conviction that Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to us and we proclaim that with a humble authority. And I long to see this community become a place where shame is destroyed in the overwhelming light of Christ, where identities are spoken and reclaimed to those around us and where repentance and healing are things that we never grow weary or tired of healing or getting our hands messy in. But I think this will be a stretch for us because historically we have a, we've been a community that has sat in puddles really well with people. And we do this because we know this, because Jesus has met us in those places. And we need to, begin to, we need to continue to do that. But this is where the stretch comes. If we stay in that puddle for too long, we're going to get trench foot and wrinkly. We go to puddles not because of our empathy, but we go to these puddles because of our faith, because we believe that God, who resurrected his son from the dead, can do the same thing in any circumstance, situation in which we come against. Because we know that Jesus is able to heal. We know that Jesus is able to set free and that he is able to bring abundant life in any circumstance. He's able to restore. He's able to rescue. He's able to raise from the dead. He's able to give us a fresh, new, clean identity. And so will you join us this year in stepping into this brand new space? This safe, this from safe space into brave space. A space that, that, that this brave space that has both empathy and prophecy just oozing out of our pores. Will you join us? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that uh, that you formed out of the dust us. And that you spoke life into us. Lord, we thank you that this has been a community where we've learned to love people well. And we say thank you for that. Thank you for being uh, I believe that comes from a space where we really do believe that you deeply love every person uh, that comes into this room that we come in contact with. So Lord, we just pray that you would pour your spirit out on us even more. Lord, we pray that in this year to come, that we would see identities renewed, that we would see shame destroyed, that we would see um, people stepping out bravely, speaking truth into others in love that we would see identities reformed, that we would see marriages healed, that we'd see affirmities healed, Lord, that we would just see your spirit run wild among us, Lord. So Father, help us to grow in this way. Help us to be obedient in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.